Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark Woods, and we're back with another Page One podcast, and today I have Steve Patterson with me. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Sure, Mark. Quite. Um, kind of, Steve's going to talk about a story in Sunday's paper about uh, Durban Creek Preserve, um, but before we get to that, I was I kind of like to illustrate kind of the institutional knowledge we have here in the newsroom. So, what remind me, what year did you come here? So, I'm an old guy. I've been here since 1987. Okay, yeah, long, let's see, who, we've got a few in the newsroom who trump you, but not, not too many. Um, so Steve's covered through those years, uh, let's see, we got, so that's, if I can do the math, 30-some 30, 30 years, um, a little bit of everything, and, but a lot of um, kind of environmental um, issues, which is what this is, environmental, zoning, those kind of things. Um, so... Yes, tell, tell us the story appeared in Sunday's paper. Explain what the story was about. Sure. So uh, so in the southeast corner of Jacksonville, there is a, uh, a patch of land called the Julington-Durban Creek uh, Peninsula. And it's something that the Water Management District, the state, and the city of Jacksonville spent uh, about $17 million on uh, buying for preservation back in the late 90s and um, they, they got this land from a developer who had it under contract it had been sitting there for many years owned by uh, basically a real estate investment group and um, the developer sold it to the city but has uh, come back now recently and has a plan to uh, to acquire a few hundred acres of this land to uh, expand his development of, uh, of uh, Bartram Park. And in return for this, he wants to take 403 acres of the peninsula and offers the, offers the state 403 acres on Black Hammock Island in exchange. Right, yeah, I was going to say this kind of preface it's when I, i've been paddleboarding i've gotten into paddleboarding the last few years and it's one of my go-to spots is kind of Dur- durban and julington creeks and i've paddled all over the area but that's one of my favorites um you see a lot of wildlife uh, um people ask you see gators and uh not hopefully not too often when i'm out there paddling but i do see those and i've once heard a big splash and a deer swam across the <laughs> the creek and um it just feels um it's a piece of old Florida, and um, and I've hiked back in there. I've run in the preserve, and we we also have a bike route that goes kind of down there. And wow, has that changed in the um, since I've been here in two thousand one? Because that was all undeveloped out there, and now it's it's just exploding. So 
um, that piece of land, I could see why it would be more valuable to a developer, but that's also exactly why I think it's more develop, more um, valuable to citizens who live near there, excuse me, who live there near there and who use it all the time. Um, so what, what, is, what is the total acreage of the preserve, do you know? The total acreage is a little bit over 2,000. I think it's 2,031 acres. And again, he's uh, Mr. Um, Tom Dotson is the developer. He is uh, seeking 403 acres. So that's not it's not a small piece of it. That's a pretty good chunk. It, it is. Now, what's important to realize about this is a person could look at it and say, well, yeah, but that still leaves a large area as conservation, and it does. Mm-hmm. But um, what is being sought here is 403 acres that are uplands. Uh, the uplands are the places that builders want to build. They're easy to develop. And uh, and the wetlands and the lower areas uh, are usually more of a headache for a developer. So he has, uh, he has not requested any of that. But um, there is a concern about taking 403 acres in essentially the um, the highest areas within the property, and then how do you maintain or manage the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so obviously the exchange for Black Hammock Island, the argument they're trying to make is that this is a piece of land the city has, has wanted for a long time, um, which again, that's a, a special part of Jacksonville up there on the way on the north side and I recently paddled from Betts Tiger Point and so I was paddling where I believe was near this land that we went up toward Black Hammock Island so I believe near the land they're talking about and it would be a an amazing piece to add to the kind of would it be part of the Timaquan Preserve or it's not labeled that currently but it uh, but it could be right um, so I get why we would covet that, but, you know, this, I get to be opinion. I get to be columnist. I'd be very troubled by the way we would get to it. I think it'd be a bad precedent. So yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about that land that, up in Black Hammock Island. So the land in, on Black Hammock Island is, uh, very nice, very nice, you know, undisturbed area. But it is very hard to compare directly to uh, the Julian Durban Peninsula. They were um, they were there for different reasons. Uh, the Black Hammock Island property is what uh, is what the environmental people and people who manage land think of as maritime hammock. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a coastal area. That's uh, got sort of an uneven uh, landscape to it and has uh, nice batches of, of hardwood trees that are very close to wetlands. And the uh, uh, the Julington Urban Peninsula, the area that's being sought there is uh, is property that you know, is straight uplands that, uh, that have been, that were used in the past as a sort of a, a pine uh, commercial pine growing area and the state has been going through a process of reestablishing uh, the 
the natural habitats that existed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what, um, yeah, if p- people, you know, there's miles in, of hiking trails back there in uh, uh, Durban Jewing to preserve. What what would they see if they, if they hiked out there? They would see, um, again, a lot of it is mostly pine, but uh, but there are some varieties of terrain. There is what's called uh, sand hill communities. These are rich of higher land that uh, that the peninsula is sort of built around, and um, and that has gopher tortoises that uh, that burrow there to to establish their their nests. And then once they've done that, a ton of other species go in and uh, and make use of the same hole in the ground that the tortoise dug. That is just a different mix of creatures than you find mm-hmm. lower on the property as you get towards uh, towards the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, so an interesting twist to this is that uh, John Delaney, uh, former mayor unf former unf president um figures into it because his his legacy as mayor is as kind of our preservation mayor so explain where uh the the twist of john delaney figuring into this is so john delaney recently retired as the president of unf and when he retired from unf he decided that he would become um he, he would be involved with two firms with uh, uh, Rogers Towers Law Firm and with uh, the Fiorentino Group, which is a lobbying and government relations business. And so he is easing into his role with these two companies. Uh, He says he has not really started formally being hands-on involved with them. It's just a little bit out there. And um, one of the Fiorentino Group's clients is uh, is um, the developer, uh, Tom Dodson's uh, company, uh, Eastland Corporation. And so um, John Delaney is realizing that one of the downsides of going into a new job is you got clients. And Eastland has had the Fiorentino Group as, as, its, as its provider of of lobbying and government relations work for a while. Uh, so Delaney stepped into a role where he has to represent his employer. So he is he is lobbying for the developer to develop this land? There is not yet a formal proposal by anyone. Mm-hmm. And so there is no lobbying that needs to be done okay. there's no lawyering that needs to be done out front anyway at this stage either this is all simply being discussed in quiet ways that that will that are intended to lead to a formal proposal and so as we get into that then yes he would be he would be lobbying and, and you had a quote in the story uh Back in 1999, he said of uh, preserving the um, uh, Julington-Durban Peninsula, he said, quote, may well be the most significant environmental land purchase in Jacksonville. Um, 
so did he has he said anything on the record about the idea that we might take 400 acres of that uh, most significant environmental land purchase in Jacksonville and and develop it uh, what he said on the record was he referred me over to uh, to mr. Dotson uh, he did say that he had previously opposed the idea of selling conservation land but that he could be comfortable with trading land if that could benefit both sides of a trade. So um, I think in your story you said that part of their argument is that this would actually improve somehow Chewington Durban Creek Peninsula. How how do you argue that when you're cutting into it so dramatically? And again, this is one of the things that that remains undefined because there is not a formal proposal on the table. It's just it's just in conversation stage. But the one thing that Mr. Dodson has said he's he plans to offer, in addition to the 403 acres, is he plans to offer 1.4 million dollars for a series of improvements to the uh, to the preserve at um, on on the peninsula. He specifies a series of things he'd like to do. Uh, he'd like to have a uh, a formal like a, a real uh, set of toilet facilities at the at the preserve right now they have essentially glorified portalettes out there uh, and he would like to have um, paved parking and improved access for uh, for uh, horse owners and he uh, owned a dog park and uh, several things that would make this much more comfortable for a typical user. The problem is that the uh, the preserve is right off of Bartram Park Boulevard, and property that's right off of Bartram Park Boulevard is where a developer is going to want to build his his next development. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear how he can make these improvements without making them right in the very area that he's going to want to build houses on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, when I first heard about it, they, you know, this is preservation land, this is land that has been preserved. Uh, it's not simple to basically reverse that and say, okay, it's not preserved anymore. We're going we're gonna to develop it. What, what steps would be required? How, how does that play out? It's a fairly obscure area, and I'm not entirely sure that I know all the details for this, but the, there, are, there are parts of the state constitution and there are parts of state law that require certain steps. Um, there needs to be, as is explained to me, there needs to be a, uh, a formal decision by the, by the parts of the government that control this land that it's been held as conservation property but is no longer needed for conservation and that that should be a uh, decision made by uh, two-thirds majority of the uh, of the deciding folks and then in addition to that I am told that there is a need to uh, to decide in this case that the environmental outcome from 
preserving the 403 acres on Black Hammock Island would be equal to or more beneficial than the environmental good that's done by preserving that same number of acres on the Julington-Durban Peninsula. Hmm. And, and that's part of the challenge with this because the, the two pieces of property, they're really parts of different environmental systems. Mm-hmm. So you could do a world of good for one end of, of Duval County, and if that comes at a cost to the other end of Duval County, who decides what outweighs what outweighs the the, the cost mm-hmm. to work. right? Yeah, yeah. And then the idea that it would be no longer needed for conservation that seems uh, it, like a very very hard sell to me, to say the least, because. Um, as I said, I mean, you, you illustrated in your story some of the, the numbers on how much that has boomed out there. It seems like, if anything, it's dramatically more needed for conservation today than it was in, in 1999. What were some of the statistics you threw out on how much that area has, has taken off? The, uh, the Bartram Park area has, has acquired about 7,000 homes and homes and apartments in in the last you know has acquired about seven thousand homes and apartments and that's a huge number this this development uh, this swap would allow the creation of another fourteen hundred homes hmm. yeah um, what what kind of reaction have you gotten to the story a lot of interest um, a lot of people were surprised. People basically thought that this that this land was preserved permanently, and on a functional level, it is. Most of the time, when you preserve land, it stays preserved. The process for for deciding, well, we're not going to do that anymore, is a hard one, and it's designed to be hard so you don't end up having uh, having land that. It basically gets just sort of bartered one way or another as the real estate market changes. But um, people want to understand how this works. And I think we will find out much more about this when we get a formal proposal and we get um, something that, uh, that the agencies involved can look at and say, all right, this is the part of state statute that applies to it. This is the part of state constitution that governs it. And here's how we make our decisions. Mm-hmm. Did I see the St. John's Riverkeeper has, is arranging a, a public rally down there? I have heard that. I, I, did not, uh, I did not put anything about that in the story, but I've heard that's something they had under consideration. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're working on the details of that. Um, and I'm guessing a lot of folks that already live down there will be uh, will be disappointed to hear if this disappears. So um, A lot of people use that peninsula and a lot of them enjoy hiking and, and running there and, and paddling so I think there are going to be a lot of people feeling their ox being gored. Right. And obviously you, you know, you, you're just covering the news side. I get to have an opinion so you can folks can read 
Steve's news coverage, and I plan to write a column for Wednesday's paper where I get I do get to have opinion, and I just think it's a horrible precedent to, I mean, we see it these days, I feel like we see it happening on a national level where we're um, taking um, some of our National Park Service sites and shrinking them, and um, so now we see this happening on a local level, um, but it's just kind of a reminder that um, we, we tend to think of these places that we've locked, like we've locked them away and thrown away the key, um, but that is not indeed the fact. Sometimes uh, if you have the right people and the right uh, sway and it, it can things can be reversed and the way to prevent that is for people to say no is, you know, we're drawing a line here and I just think as much as um, you know it would be wonderful to have that piece of Black Hammock Island for public land I, I think it would be a horrible precedent to get a get at it from this, this way so um, yeah please continue to follow Steve's news you can go back and read his story on Jacksonville.com and I'm sure he'll have more stories as this unfolds uh, so thanks for being a part of a page one podcast been a pleasure just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.